Hi everyone, welcome. This is April Schoen. Thank you for joining us today as we're going to be talking about Social Security. I'm sitting here with John Curry, author of Preparing for a Secure Retirement. Welcome, John. Hey, April. Good to see you. Good to be here. So, John, John's been helping clients with retirement planning issues, including Social Security, Medicare, IRA rollovers, inherited IRAs, required minimum distributions since 1975. That's a long time, John. It is. And, you know, I realized the other day is that in June, it will be 10 years that I've been in financial services. Almost a full decade. Well, I got you beat just a little bit. I've got <laughs> four and a half decades, 45 years of doing that. You do have me beat just a little bit. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah, in that time, you know, we've helped thousands of people with these retirement planning issues. But what's really relevant for today are the lessons that we've learned. What works for people, what doesn't work for people. And I know we're going to kind of get into that today, specifically around Social Security, and talk about some planning strategies. And before we get there, I do want to make sure that I introduce the team. Because John has done a very good job over the years of building our team to make sure that our clients are taken care of. So on our team, we have Debbie Bradbury, Ed Bradbury. Of course, we have John Curry. We have Audie Ritter, Jay Wolf, and myself. You know, John, one of the things that I like about our team is some of the diversity that we bring to the table. I know in our seminars, we talk a lot about the difference in our ages right. um, and how that helps us in our planning. So I'm, I'm 36, I'm married, I have two small children, and this, you know, so my goals, my concerns, my risks, the threats that I face are very different at this stage of my life compared to someone like you who's 67. Correct. Although those risks are similar, however, because everyone, think about the hazards we face. What are they? Dying too soon. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, but whenever I die, it's too soon. <laughs> so as a young woman with children, the event of your death would cause financial harm for the family. At my age, maybe not so much because of other assets. So the life insurance I bought to protect people then are important to me for different reasons as far as leaving a legacy to children, grandchildren, and now even great-grandchildren. Right. So some of those risks are similar. <clears throat> for example, investments. Mm -hmm. As you're accumulating your money to build up money for your retirement, you want to grow the money, you don't want to lose your money. Well, now that I'm in retirement, I still want it to grow, but I'm more concerned about protecting that money than I am growing the money. Right. I still want both, don't get me wrong, but I want the income guaranteed. Right. And, and that's a good segue because what we're going to talk about with Social Security, that's another form of reliable income mm -hmm. that will come in in retirement. Yeah, right? we, all have, we all have similar risks no matter how old we are. That's right. And really that Social Security, I know we talk a lot about it being that retirement baseline. You know, this is a, you know, a, it's going to provide an income for you that you can't outlive. And that's very important as we go into retirement. And so for you, you're 67, you're collecting Social Security already. So I know you'll, you'll share with us today some of your experiences that you've had with Social Security. Absolutely. Good. Before we dive in, I do want to hit one question that we get all the time. Um, and that is, is John retiring? I just said he's 67 and he's already collecting Social Security. So we get this question all the time. And I like answer for him. The answer is no, he's not retiring. At least not yet. 
Um, in fact, John and I last night, we were at a uh, working dinner and we were talking about his vision for the next 20 years and even the next 33 years. That's correct. Because like George Burns and Kirk Douglas, two of my heroes, I intend to live to be 100 years old. And I hope that I'm still, quote, performing like George Burns was. And Kirk Douglas is now 102. We have the same birthday, December 9th. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's still a productive member of society and published another book recently. That's right. I'm sure, I'm sure that those, all those things will come true, that's for sure. But in all seriousness, though, you are taking more time off. Correct. We talked about this. We talked about this last night. Um, going to more conferences, taking time off, doing things that you want to do, which is very important. And it's important to know that those conferences now include more things that are personal, not so much as professional, but I still want to keep the, the shawl, the saw sharp and go to things on taxes, Social Security, Medicare. So I'm still doing that too because that's a passion. That's right. Yes, it is. And that's also, though, why you've built the team that you have so that when you can't even know why you are going to do these things that you want to do, you know that your clients are well taken care of. Absolutely. And I am in a position of where it have been for a number of years now with you joining the team and helping me build the team even more to where between you, Jay, Ed, Debbie, Audie, and whoever is going to join the team in the future, we're in a position where I know I can be gone for a month and clients are going to be taken care of. Right. Client calls in, I know beyond a shadow doubt they'll be taken care of because of loving, caring people who want to do the right thing for clients. That's right. And that's that, important. That's important. And that's why we all, if, uh, if you've been in a client meeting with us, then you know that we have two people in every meeting. Correct. And we do that for a lot of reasons, but one of those is continuity so that, you know, if John's at a conference and he's unavailable, will you have the rest of, of the team here to help? Well, there's another reason. Let's just be candid about it. I, I, I talk about living to 100, but I'm not promised e e even tomorrow. Mm -hmm. No one is. I keep that heart-shaped pillow that I'm looking at right now to remind me of my open-heart surgery, July 10th, 2008. Right. Also, it's, it's imperative to me that in the event of my permanent disability or I should die, that clients are taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I have all that in place with legal documents, you know, planning documents with you as far as the business side to where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my clients will be taken care of. That's right. That is a tremendous, tremendous peace of mind. Because I've worked for 45 years developing a clientele. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, it's like a shepherd protecting the flock. I want to make sure that my flock is taken care of. That's right. The people who just left us. It's, it's like family. Mm -hmm. You see people, it's a big hug and kiss, kiss on the cheek. Hey, how you doing? How's the family? That's important. It's a very important. Yes. And so, to, you know, in a lot of those meetings, even especially with the clients who just left, talking about Social Security was always part of the planning that we did with them. And we talked about it today. And we talked about it today. And so we're going to go through a lot of information today. And I'll be honest, and in the you know, 45, 50 minutes for our webinar today, we, we just don't have the time to go through everything that there is to cover in Social Security. And from time to time, we have full-blown seminars on both Social Security and Medicare. They're an hour and a half long, and we go into more detail than we're going to get into today. Um, our next Social Security seminar is scheduled for January 23rd. So that's in about two weeks. Mm -hmm. There will be uh, an email going out next week announcing that. But for those of you on the, the call, you kind of get a heads up notice that we're going to have a Social Security seminar on January 23rd. 
And then in February, February 20th, we're going to do one on Medicare. So I'm glad that we're doing them separate. We've tried to do them together beforehand, and it's too much information. So I'm glad we're going to do going to do them separately. And I encourage you that if you're in the Tallahassee area, to attend both of those sessions. Um, but again, we can't really cover every question and nuance. But if you have some questions, feel free to put them in the chat box, and we'll get them get to them as we can. Um, I also encourage you to to contact us to schedule a phone appointment or a, you know a face to face meeting. We have clients all over the country. John is based in Tallahassee. I'm based out of, out of Jacksonville, but I come back to Tallahassee every about two to three weeks for client meetings and our events. And if you are interested in scheduling a phone appointment, you can call our office. Um, our phone number is 850-562-3000. Here, I'll repeat that really quick. 850-562-3000. And that way you can get to anybody on the team. All right, well, let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. Talk about Social Security. So what we're going to talk about today is how Social Security works, what you need to know about the program, different payment scenarios, and then also some issues around the program. So since 1935, American workers have been counting on Social Security as a future source of income. And the Social Security's trust fund is primarily funded from the taxation of wages earned by the current workforce. That's very important. We're going to kind of get into why that's important later. And then these funds are used to pay out the benefits to the program's beneficiaries. And uh, an average monthly benefit, so as of January 2020, the average monthly benefit is $1,503. We're going to talk about also what the maximums are in a little bit, too. To qualify for Social Security and Medicare, you have to earn credits. You have to earn 40 credits, and then you and both your, you and your spouse will qualify for Social Security and Medicare. You earn four credits per year. So just let's just assume if you have 10 years of working history, then both you and your spouse would qualify for both Social Security and for Medicare. The benefit amount that you'll collect once you do start your benefit is determined by averaging your highest 35 years of salary. But if you do not have 35 years of salary, they will average in zeros to fill in any gaps. Very important. Sometimes we have people who don't, they don't quite have those 35 years, and they may even work a year or two more just so they, they don't have those zeros bringing down their averages. One of the things we always recommend, if you haven't done so, is go to Social Security's website and create a login. When you go into their website, you'll be able to pull up a copy of your benefit statement. Benefit statements are no longer mailed. They used to mail them out. They don't anymore. You have to go online to get your benefit statement. You can also see um, online, they have some different calculators that you can use. You can see a history of your earnings record. So very important for you to go check that out. The other thing that's important is um, Social Security has an issue with identity theft. They actually have people who will go in and pretend to be you and create their own username so that they can go in and access your benefits. So we highly encourage, if you haven't done so, head over to Social Security's website and create your username. 
Let me jump in, April. <clears throat> Just the last weekend, actually Thursday of last week through Monday, I've got no less than seven phone calls, automatic calls, same person's voice, but a different phone number popped up from around the country. The same person's voice saying that there's an issue with my social security benefits and to call the number they gave to address it. Wow. Social security does not call you and leave that type of message, folks. So if you get a call from anybody saying that there's something wrong with your social security benefits or an account, be very cautious. The calls I've received from social security folks in Medicare they identified themselves right up front. It was not a recorded message. I got a live person. Mm -hmm. So just be aware that that's happening. And just different phone numbers popping up from different parts of the country. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I know there's one in Maryland, one in somewhere in Texas, and I forget the others, but okay. uh, all around. But uh, just be aware of that. So identity theft and scam. Mm -hmm. Just be careful. Yes, very good to know. Now we're going to go into some of the things that you need to know about Social Security for your benefit. So the year you were born determines your full retirement age. Now you can claim Social Security benefits early. You can actually claim them as early as 62 and you can also delay your benefit to age 70. And we're going to get into some more details on that in just a minute. But the year you were born determines your full retirement age when you receive your full benefits. So, for example, if you were born in 1960 or later, then your full retirement age is 67. Very important to know this when starting to talk about Social Security and when you're going to claim. And um, as another example, let's let's pretend that you are your full retirement age is 66. So you would have been born between 1943 and 1954. And um, you're, again, your full retirement age is age 66. You get 100% of your benefit. You could claim as early as 62, and you'll receive 75% of your benefit. And it, that benefit then is reduced at that 75% mark for the entire time that you collect it. So very important to kind of think that through when you're going to collect early. And then also, if you delay taking Social Security past your full retirement age, it will increase 8% per year. So if your full retirement age is 66 and you delay to age 70, your benefit then would actually be increased to 132%. Let me jump in here for a minute. We talk about when people should take Social Security. I get this question all the time. <clears throat> we have been hearing this for years. For me, I chose to take it at age 66. So January of last year, 2019, I started my Social Security benefit. I, did, I chose not to wait until 70. You and I discussed this several times after looking at literally hundreds of plans for clients. Time value of money, I chose to take it now. And I shared this yesterday with you, kidding around. <laughs> My Social Security deposit was made yesterday, uh, direct deposit. And I used that money to pay for a portable building that I wanted to have on my property over in Jefferson County. Right. So I'm choosing to use the Social Security benefit today either to do things that I want to do, take care of children or grandchildren, or save or invest it. Time value money, I want it now. Not everyone should do that. Mm -hmm. Some people should defer until age 70 
because they need or want the higher income later in life, or because they've not done as good a job perhaps planning a survivor benefit. Maybe they don't have a pension. Maybe they don't have enough life insurance. Because the longer you wait, the benefit instead of being $2,800 a month is $3,700. And that would continue to the surviving spouse. Right. So there are a lot of reasons to consider taking it early, full retirement age, or later. Mm-hmm. Most people that I talk with decide to take it at full retirement age because they want the money today. And if you live to normal life expectancy, it's pretty much an even. If you look at it, the average is about age 83. Yes. So it just depends on your circumstances, how much money you've saved, how much life insurance you have, what other benefits would continue to a surviving spouse. But it's important, folks, not to just look at Social Security in a vacuum and say, this is what I'm going to do. You need to look at everything you've got and treat it like any other valuable asset Mm -hmm. because it is a huge asset. Right. And you're right. There's no, there's no perfect age to retire. It's all individual. It's all based on your individual personal circumstance. And, uh, you know, just know that that is something that we can help you with as well to help determine if it, the appropriate choice to you know, win the claim. We put it in perspective. At age 66, the maximum benefit is $2,861. In order to provide that benefit, either to you as an investment account or to a survivor, it would take $858,300 earning 4% interest to give you that. How do I calculate that? 2831 times 12 is Mm -hmm. $34,332. Let's just assume a 4% withdrawal rate. So divide it by 0.04, it would take $858,300 to provide that same benefit. So even though you can't get that many lump sum folks, I want you to understand that the capitalized value of that retirement benefit is almost a million dollars. Right. If you had a million dollars sitting in a bank account or a mutual fund, you could check on it. <laughs> but most people don't check on Social Security until a few months before they retire. Right. And it's important to check on it now, mm-hmm. not wait. At least learn more about it. So if you're on this call, I commend you for being here. And for those who come to our seminars, they learn even more. That's right. Good. And looking at, um, so talking about, again, the delayed retirement credits is what they're, they're called when you delay taking your, your benefit until age 70. So that also depends on the year you were born. So if your full retirement age is 66 and you delay to age 70, then your benefit could increase to 132%. But if you're like me and full retirement age is 67 and I delayed it till age 70, then my benefit would only increase to 124%. So it's, it's 8% per year. And that's going to depend on when your full retirement age is and how long you can defer, let it defer. And this is why it's also important to look at your statements because on your statements, it's going to show you, first of all, what your full retirement age is and what your benefit would be at full retirement age. It's going to show you your benefits at age 70 and at age 62, and then also the survivor benefits. A lot of people don't realize all the survivor benefits and the disability benefits that are eligible to you for Social Security, so it's important to review those as well. And it also talks about Medicare. Yes. Because what you have with Social Security is not just a retirement benefit. You, have a, you could have a disability benefit, although it's difficult to qualify for 
social security disability. Uh, but it's there for, for many people out there. And then the survivor benefit is like having life insurance because the government's providing a benefit that if you didn't have that, you'd have to have more life insurance. And then, of course, we're all concerned about the cost of health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more people my age are concerned, okay, in retirement, my biggest expense is my health insurance, and health insurance costs are higher than the inflation rate, maybe 5 to 7%, I have to assume. So that's a very important issue, too. And able to think about how many times we have discussions with clients and their biggest fear is, how do I pay for my health insurance when I retire? Right. I'm worried about how it's going to cost me. We just had that conversation yesterday with some clients. Yes. That are about to retire. That's right. Very big concern. Your Social Security benefit does have a cost of living adjustment. So it may increase, um, but it's not guaranteed. Keyword is may. May. That's right. The cost of living adjustment for Social Security is tied to the CPIW, which is the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners and Clerical Workers. So if there is an increase in the CPIW, then we'll see an increase in Social Security benefits. But the CPIW is not the inflation rate that's quoted in the media. It's a different basket of goods that is calculated for the CPIW. So, for example, in 2020, the cost of living adjustment is 1.6%. So, benefits will go up this year 1.6%. But you'll see that in the last 10 years, we've had several years where there's been no cost of living adjustment. 2010, 2011, and then again in 2016. Let's talk about that increase, that COLA. Uh, I'm retired Mm -hmm. on paper. I'm collecting Social Security and Medicare. So I get a 1.6% increase, but also my Medicare premiums went up. Oh, yes. Another thing that is not Medicare topic today, but you need to understand, folks, that when you retire and you take whatever retirement accounts you have, pensions, 401k, whatever, and then you add Social Security to that, then depending upon your income tax level, you may find that you have to pay a extra tax called IRMA on top of your Medicare Part B premiums. Right. We had that conversation with sponsors. So you may find that you have not only the Medicare Part B premium to pay, but you have, I call it the tax, on top of that because of your earnings level. These are things that people don't know about. And frankly, I didn't really pay attention to it, April, until about three years before I became 65. Right. More and more clients ask about it. So as usual, you go dig and learn to help that person. Now you've learned something that will help hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. That's right. Yeah, and the Medicare, especially with Irma, we're going to talk about that at our webinar and our seminar in February on Medicare. Yes. So um, we'll definitely have some more information about that. Let's talk about taxes and your Social Security benefit. So you may owe... Do do we have to talk about taxes? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, we do. Yes. Uh, So you may owe taxes on your Social Security benefit. And this um, is depends on a few things. One is your filing status. So do you file individual or do you file joint return? And then it's also the amount of your combined income. So your combined income, this is your adjusted gross income plus non-taxable interest plus half of your Social Security benefit. So that's how you, you told all three of those together and that's how you get your combined income, which you'll need that information to know if part of your 
benefit will be considered taxable. So if you are filing a individual, a single return, and your combined income is between $25,000 and $34,000, then 50% of your Social Security benefit will be considered taxable income. And then if your combined income is over $34,000, 85% of your benefit will be considered taxable. Now let's look at if you file a joint return. So if you file a joint return and your combined income is between $32,000 and $44,000, then 50% of your benefit will be considered taxable. And if your combined income is over $44,000, then 85% of your benefit will be considered taxable. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm still amazed at the number of people who do not realize that when they retire, that their Social Security benefit will be taxed. And we even see people who don't realize that their retirement accounts would be taxed. And at one time, Social Security benefits were not taxed. But in the 80s, under President Reagan's administration, Social Security was giving its first major overhaul since the 50s and 60s. And some things changed. That's where we started having the cost of living adjustments. We mm -hmm. also had the increase on the annual earnings level to determine how much of your income would be taxed for right. Social Security. So a lot of things have happened that most people, unless they're doing this stuff every day, they just don't know about. Yeah, they don't. And, and John, we just had a question come in. Is that income before or after retirement? So I think we'll kind of hit two things here with this question. Good question, Judy. Thanks for asking that. Is That is going to be considered income in that year that you're claiming. So let's say it's 2020. When you're going to file your taxes for 2020, they're going to look at your combined income for this year, and then they're also going to base it off of your Social Security benefits for this year. Correct. But it's also important to know, because we've been talking a little bit about Medicare, and you mentioned about the Medicare premiums, is they do a two-year look back. So when they're calculating what your, if you have a, the IRMA tax, as we call it, um, for 20, 2020, they actually look at your income from 2018. So that, so for Medicare, they do a two-year look back. You know what's going through my mind as you're covering this? Is all the moving parts to retirement planning. Yes. That you and I take for granted, because we do this every day. You know, four, five, sometimes six times a day on the days we see clients. But there are so many pieces. Add to this, whatever you're doing with an IRA, state deferred comp, four three Bs, uh, set plans, simple plans, any retirement plan that you have, when you are forced to take money out of those because of your required minimum distributions, which the Secure Act made some changes in. Yes, they did. We're doing some uh, educational lessons. There are just so many moving parts, and it changes all the time. Yeah. Because it's part of tax packages. And the folks in Congress, when they work, um, they actually find ways to collect more of our money in the form of taxation. And when we get into some of the issues later, I'll talk more about taxes and what I think is going to happen in the future. But this stuff is important. And we can't just blindly assume that what we get today is going to be the same we get in the future. It could be higher, it could be lower, it could be taxed, not taxed as much and much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. It is. It's very complicated. There's a lot of moving pieces, and it's very, again, it's individual to everyone's situation. Uh, that's, why, that's why I like the retirement rehearsals that we do for clients. Yes. Take a moment, and we got time. Take a moment and 
share with people what that means and what we actually do. Um, yeah, so with a retirement rehearsal, what we do for clients is we will actually project, if you haven't retired yet, we're going to project you forward to retirement. And we're going to take a look at everything that you have in your financial world. And we're going to look at all of your retirement income streams. So we're going to look at Social Security. So uh, what will your Social Security benefits be at 62, at full retirement age, at age 70, both for you and your spouse if you're married? We look at, do you have a pension? And do you have different pension options? And what will those be? And how will that impact your retirement? So we look at different pension options. We also look at how will you draw income from your other assets? As John mentioned, do you have IRAs, 401ks, deferred compensation? How are you going to draw income from those when you get to the distribution phase of your planning? And then when do you have to start taking those? So with your required minimum distributions and with the changes to the SECURE Act, if you were not 70 and a half by December 31st, 2019, you now can delay taking money out of your retirement accounts until age 72. Um, so very important to know we have to make sure that we follow those rules. There are some hefty penalties if you don't, so we want to make sure we follow those rules. But really with a retirement rehearsal, we project you forward to retirement, we look at all your retirement income streams, and we can play what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? And we can build it together. And we also look at the threats. So what threats do you face both now and in retirement to your income? Very important. Yes. Um, we did have another question about would it be better to file individually? Um, and that's just going to depend on the individual situation. Yes. In my opinion. It, I agree totally. Uh, we don't hold ourselves up to be tax experts or legal experts, but I will tell you that it comes down to income levels, uh, what assets you own, uh, how those assets are taxed, is it uh, rental income, investment income, things like that. So uh, we can't give a specific answer to that, but uh, for most people, what we're seeing is they do, if they're married, they do file jointly. Uh, rarely do we see people filing individually that are married, but we do see it occasionally. Right. And you've got to take into, again, we're not tax, tax experts, but you've got to take in the full tax picture and not just how much of your Social Security benefit would be taxed. Great. While we're on taxes, let's talk about the future. We see so many people that tell us that when they retire, they'll be in a lower tax bracket. <laughs> yeah. And we're not seeing that. Mm -hmm. We're seeing people in the same bracket, in some cases higher, because, again, all the money that you accumulate, if you're doing a good job of saving money or you have an employer doing it for you, uh, the day comes when that money has to come out. Right. Either because you choose to do it or the IRS says that it's 70 and a half or 72 with required minimum distributions, you have to take it out. And when you're doing the introduction, you talk about my focusing in on RMDs and inherited IRAs. There's another issue that people don't want to talk about, but someday we're going to die. Mm -hmm. And when we die, any monies that we leave behind in retirement accounts is heavily taxed. If we leave it to a spouse, spouse can, you know, take income and not have to pay tax on the amount left behind. But if we're leaving it to a non-spouse beneficiary, the rules just change with the SECURE Act on that. It used to be that my beneficiary, son, daughter, grandkid, can spread out over their lifetime. Can't do that anymore. Right. It's got to be paid out over 10 years. People don't know about that. That's not being talked about very much. So 
taxes could end up being much higher than you think, either for you or your ultimate beneficiary. So it's important that if you're doing any type of planning that you project into the future and look at what the tax impact would be. Right. Very good. Let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit, John, and talk about if you're still working. Let me say one more thing. Uh-huh. I don't hold myself out to be a tax expert, but I will tell you this. When I was getting my master's degree in financial services, we spent one entire course, not a class, an entire course, just on the history of the income taxes in the United States of America. It has been a very complicated system throughout. When it first started in uh, uh, 1913 with the passage of the 16th Amendment, it was pretty simple. There were six tax brackets. Okay. Now it's more complicated. Congress makes it more complicated. Whoever's running for president always you know, throws in their taxes from the standpoint of we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm going to raise taxes, I'm going to lower taxes. There's no way of knowing for sure what your tax rate is going to be 10, 15, 20 years in the future. Right. All we can do is look at today, look at history, and try to get some idea of what it may look like. But it's important not to ignore this. Mm-hmm. And even though we're talking about Social Security, what I've learned from my own experience of working with people and from my, my own income and investments is that I get surprised occasionally with taxes. And I'm, I know this stuff. My CPA and my tax attorney, they say, look, you know this stuff as well as we do. So, no, I don't. But I do understand the focused part that I deal in every day. Right. The rest of it, I don't know and don't want to know. That's why I'm talking about Pay them for their coaching that, and their advice. Their expertise. That's right. Good. Good, good, good. Okay, we're going to switch gears and talk about if you're still working in your Social Security benefit. Because this is very important. Some people just kind of will, will, can trip them up. Oh, I mean, like you. I'm you're still, still working. I, I don't intend to, I, like I said earlier, I'll never fully retire. Mm-hmm. As long as I am relevant and people want me and <laughs> I'm healthy and can do it, I don't see any reason why I would quit. That's right. Good. So if you are still working and you're going to collect your benefit, there's a couple things that you need to know. If you collect your benefit early and you're still working, there may be a reduction in benefits. So at age 62, this is for the year 2020, this number changes, but any wages earned over 18,240, your Social Security benefit would be reduced $1 for every $2 over this limit. So very important if you're going to be still working in some capacity and collecting your benefit, you need to know if, you're, if your earnings, your wages, will be more than that earnings limit. And that's why you'll hear some of your friends say, well, I can only work part-time when I retire and take another job because I don't want to earn more than $18,000. So if you hear that, what they're referring to is the reduced, uh, the reduction of their benefit if they earn more than that $18,248. Right. Or two forty. That's what they're referring to. Yes. And there's some nuance here with if you start collecting your benefit in the year that you reach for retirement age. So if you start collecting your benefit in the year that you turn for retirement age, but you haven't, it's not your the month yet, then any wages that year earned over 48600 again, that's for 2020, then your Social Security benefit would be reduced $1 for every $3 over the limit. But if you start collecting your Social Security benefit in the month you turn for retirement age, 
and there is no earnings limit. 100% of the Social Security benefits will be paid. So let's use you as an example, John. So you turned full retirement age, 66, last December, December of 2018. Correct. So if you had started taking Social Security earlier in the year, you could have had a reduction in your benefits if your income, your wages, had been over this limit. Correct. But since you started it, you actually started it the January after you turned full retirement age. Now there is no earnings limit and you will receive 100% of your benefit. Correct. So the key here is to look at, and um, the key here is to look at if you are uh, going to be working, you most times do not want to start your benefit until the month you hit full retirement age. So someone just asked a question about spouse's earnings. Do they add into this total? The answer is no. Correct. From, from that perspective, however, where it does count, though, is total income. So if you're looking at total income, it could impact you in different ways. But as far as your Social Security benefit, no. So the example April was just giving, maybe my income, I started early before the month that I turned full retirement age. I could be penalized, but if she's collecting her benefit, it would not be an issue. Right. Very good. Good questions. Keep them coming. Uh, um, Carol just asked, does it go back up if start, say, about six months early? So are you, I'm assuming you're saying that you, you take your benefit and you're working maybe for six months and then you fully stop working is how I'm going to take that. And if that's the case, then yes, there is an adjustment, but you would have to get the Social Security folks to do the calculation for you. But yes, there is an adjustment. So once you reached full retirement age, then you would not have that problem. Right. Exactly. Good. Good question. Okay. Now we're going to talk about some different payment scenarios and different ways to claim your benefits. The first that we're going to talk about is a spousal benefit. So as we talked about earlier, when you um, have reached 40 credits, again, that's 10 years of working history, then both you and your spouse qualify for Social Security and Medicare. So under a spousal benefit, your spouse qualifies for 50% half of whatever your benefit is under your earnings record. Earnings record. Now, they'll also have their own earnings record. And Social Security has now what's called deeming rules. So if um, the two of you go to claim Social Security, Social Security now will automatically pay you and your spouse whichever is the highest of the two benefits. So let's kind of give some examples. Let's say that John and I are married. John's benefit is, for easy math, $1,000 a month. Let's say that I did not work much outside the home, so I have very little on my own personal record. Well, I would qualify for a spousal benefit under John's record, and in that case, my benefit would be $500 per month. And so security would automatically pay me the higher of the two. If I had, if John and I's earnings records were very similar and we both had our benefits were both $1,000 a month, then I would just automatically get the $1,000 per month because it's the higher of the two. Okay, let's look at some different scenarios. There is a widow and widower's benefit. And the way that the widow or widower's benefit, I'll kind of make this a little easy, is that you get the higher of the two benefits. So again, John and I are married. 
let's say that his benefit again is $1,000 per month and mine is $500 per month and John passes away. Then I do not get to collect both anymore, but I get to collect the higher of the two. So in that situation, the $500, I would just collect $1,000 per month. Again, I get the higher of the two benefits for the widow and widower's benefits. We did have another question. Um, wouldn't it be beneficial to point out that in the case of a married couple, the higher wage earner should wait until age 70 to claim their benefit? John, would you like to address this question? Absolutely. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about do you take it at full retirement age or wait until 70? That truly comes down to a personalized, individualized uh, scenario. If I have very little life insurance to go to my spouse, or I have very little assets, then I would probably be more inclined to wait until 70. In my case, I have a lot of life insurance of years, and I have assets to continue income streams. So for me, I chose to take the benefit at 66. But the answer is, yes, it does make sense for some people to do that. So back to April's example, she would collect all my benefit. Uh, but if I wait till 70, it'd be even higher. Right. But I may not want to wait that long. In my case, I did not do that. So uh, I'm now divorced. I need to get into some uh, things here about uh, uh, people who are divorced in that, but I, I'm divorced. So my ex-wife is collecting all my benefit record. So she is collecting half of my benefit. Had I waited until 70, then that benefit would be higher for her. So, you know, it, again, if I feel like I have a deficit in planning elsewhere, then maybe I would do that. Right. It depends on, again, you mentioned it, but other assets that you have. I mean, when you're going to fully retire and, you know, step out of working, and do you have assets to replace that income? So those are all the scenarios that we look at at retirement rehearsal. If you are going to delay taking Social Security and you're not working, well, where are we going to fill in the gaps for income? Correct. And a lot of people don't agree with what I'm going to say, but I'm to the point in my world where I don't care so much about how large the account balance is. I want to make sure that there's a steady stream of reliable, preferably guaranteed and reliable income that reappears every month. Right. Every month is, is that it just shows up mm -hmm. and you can do that with a pension. You can do that with social security. You can do it with other planning tools, products, but it's important to understand that it's not just how much money we have in the account, but it's more important once we retire because we want to or have to because of medical reasons that we have streams of income that are reliable. Right. And that's why we spend so much time talking about Social Security. Yes. Very good. Because it is the base foundation that if you are a U.S. taxpayer and worker, you are probably going to have Social Security. There are some people who are not, but majority will. That's right. Good. And John, um, there are other survivor's benefits. For lack of time, we're not going to go into too much detail on these, but just know there are some other survivor benefits, widow, widowers, disabled, and for minor children as well. And again, a lot of that information can be found in your statement. Okay, for divorced spouses. So if you are married for at least 10 years or longer, um, but are now divorced, you can still claim a benefit under your ex-spouse's record. And again, it works the same way where it's 50% of their benefit. 
Um, this does not, we get this question a lot, it does not impact their benefit in any way. If they're remarried, it doesn't impact their, their current spouse's benefit in any way. But if you're married 10 years or longer, then you'll have um, a spousal benefit available. So I have a question for you that we get occasionally in seminars. So I'm divorced, I get remarried, and I'm married for 11 years to the second spouse. Yes. And we're divorced, or I die. What happens then? Do both people get the benefit? Yes, both people get the benefit. Right. And for me, I've never understood that. If we have a crisis with Social Security, how is it that we have that in place? I'm glad it's there for people who need it. We've had clients where that applied to them when somebody died, spouse died. But I look at these things and I wonder sometimes, is that another area where Congress someday is going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe we don't do that anymore. Right. There are a lot of issues that we could get into from the standpoint of what might they do to uh, keep the system more solvent. If, if there's time, we'll get into some of that. Yeah, they talk about the changes quite a bit. So we'll probably get into that a little bit here. Good, Good thought. Okay, so speaking of changes, yes. it's perfect timing. There are actually some changes to Social Security back in 2015. So I'm going to hit this rather quickly. I will make a comment for you. Do. Yes. Folks, what April is about to cover, in all of my years in business since 1975, this is the fastest that we've ever seen Congress act on Social Security. And they call it the Bipartisan Budget Act. It was bipartisan. It was all, all the people in Congress uh, were on board with this because it was the first time that we saw something happen literally in weeks, weeks of being proposed. And with that, I'll turn it back to you. Yes, no, I mean, it was within like two, maybe three weeks. It was first proposed. Um, a lot of us were scrambling to try to find, get as much information on this, this as possible. A lot of us thought that it would take a while to be passed, and they, they passed it very quickly. And then the changes happened also very quickly. So it impacted two claiming strategies, the restricted application and the file and suspend. The file and suspend is no longer available unless you were um, had already filed and suspended prior to April 30th, 2016. So I'm not going to go into too much detail on that strategy. I don't want you to spend any time on that one, actually. If you... That's something we can we can talk about that offline. The restricted application, though, is still available, but you had to have been 65 as of January 1st, 2019. And the restricted application says that this is, again, this is for spousal benefits, that you could claim a spousal benefit and receive the, your spousal benefit, but delay taking yours. So let's use, again, another example. So let's say that my benefit is $1,000 per month, and John um, John is going, again, we're married, so in this scenario, and so John is going to take a spousal benefit on my record, so he's going to get $500 per month, and then he's going to let his own earnings record grow and defer and delay it until full retirement age at age 70. So while he's delaying taking Social Security on his own record, he's now collecting a spousal benefit from mine. And that might be what the person was indicating earlier about to age 70. I'm not sure. So if that's what you were thinking, then that would be part of the strategy. I would collect and then in this scenario, April would delay until 70 and then start collecting. Correct. Okay. 
And again, restricted application is still available if you are 65 as of January 1st, 2019. So if that applies to you, please get with us offline and we can run some calculations for you. All right, let's talk about some issues around the program. The first issue we're gonna talk about is that the trust fund is running out of money. And this is not necessarily new news. We've been hearing about this for several years. But part of the problem is that there's um, a lot of people, baby boomers, are leaving the workforce and are activating their benefits. And so it is putting more strain on the system. Yeah, about 10,000 of them per day. Per day. So I'll give you kind of some examples uh, just to kind of paint the picture for you. But back in 1945, there were 40 workers per each beneficiary. And now Social Security estimates that by 2035, which isn't very far away, by the way, there's only going to be two workers per each beneficiary. Very important. And so that's why the Social Security Administration also estimates that by about, the, the years change a little bit. Some, it used to be 2033, 2034, that the trust fund will actually be exhausted. And if that happens and no changes are made to Social Security, then they'll only be able to pay out 70 cent, $0.77 cents per dollar of scheduled benefits. A comment here. I would encourage everyone who's listening to this, whether it be live on the webinar now or recorded later, go to the Social Security website, download, print out, hard copy the trustees report, and read it. They give good, open, honest information there. Yes. They don't hide this. They're making it clear that there's a problem. And for those of us who choose to ignore that, we should not be all upset when our benefits are lowered in the future. Because they're telling us loud and clear, this is a problem. It must be addressed. If it's not addressed, we're going to see a reduced benefit or could see it in the future. Right. And and we can talk about the impact of that later if there's time, but I just want to jump in and share that. And if, if, and I do believe that if things continue on this way, then they will, they will make some changes. They'll have to. <clears throat> what those changes look like, there's a lot of, uh, theories around that, different things have been proposed, but I think that they'll make some changes. I want to make one comment here before leave this section. I'm tired of people using fear to give it, convince people to make decisions about Social Security. Mm -hmm. We have people come in who will say to us, I'm taking mine at 62 because this thing's going broke. Right. And, and folks, be careful of that. Uh, I don't think the Social Security system is going to go broke. It's not going away. You'll see some changes in the future. It should have already been made. People never should have been allowed to take Social Security 62. It was never intended for that. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could talk about that should not have been done. Mm -hmm. We did it. And those things will be addressed in the future. But don't let anyone use fear to try to convince you to do anything. If they can't explain it and justify it and make it make sense for you and verify it, then get away. That's right. Good. And again, we have hit some of this, but some of the other issues around the program is that it's subject to political agendas. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And then also that cost of living adjustment being tied to the CPIW. 
um, they talked about changing that, like the CPIE, which is the consumer price index for the elderly, which makes more sense. But I'm not sure if they're going to do that or not. But again, just it, it does get, uh, how do you put it sometimes? It's the political football that yeah. gets passed back and forth. That's so. right. Passed or kicked. That's right. And while, and, um, John, before we go into recap, are there anything else that you want to add about the, the issues around the program? I just want to talk about what I think we're going to see happen in the future, and I'll keep it brief. But it's obvious to me that taxes of all type must be increased in the future. If you look at the spending that's going on, you look at what's happening with, just look at the candidates running for office. And I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, or Independent. I don't really care what your views are on politics. I look at the numbers from the standpoint of planning. If you take a look at our income tax history, our highest bracket was over 90%, then 70 then 50 then 28% under President Reagan's administration. But while tax rates dropped to 28%, they also took away tax deductions. So very few people actually paid less tax because there was an offset of what they couldn't deduct. Then we had tax rates go up to call it 40%, 39.7, then down. And now we stand at 37% top bracket. Right. So tell me how, with all of the spending going on and the, the condition of Social Security, Medicare, and other programs, how tax rates can stay as low as they are. They're low right now compared to history. That's right. So I'm convinced that tax rates will go up. Uh, I was just looking at my Medicare stuff earlier. The ARMA tax on pay is called a surcharge. It's a tax. Mm -hmm. Not just a surcharge, it is a form of taxation. Right. So taxes are going to go up. And just because your income today is X amount and you think it's going to be less when you retire, it may not be accurate. Correct. You could have the same income as today and then a higher tax bracket mm -hmm. if they raise the tax rates. So the good news so far, anyway, about taxes is we know what's coming well in advance. Um, so far, they're not through having to do that in two weeks or three weeks. <laughs> right. But as we see things, we, we, we do webinars and seminars, get emails out uh, and let people know. But um, just understand that down the road, we're probably going to pay higher and higher Social Security tax. You will anyway if your income goes up because you pay the same tax rate, but it's on a higher income each year. Right. So don't get lulled into this thing about, well, when I retire, I'll be in a lower tax bracket and it won't impact me. Very good. Good. Well, let's recap quickly here. Uh, Social Security is funded by the taxation of wages. It averages your highest 35 years of wages to determine your benefit. If you have 10 years of working history, then you and your spouse should qualify. And then also make sure to go online to get a copy of your statement. Your full retirement age depends on the year you're born. And how old you are when you activate your benefit also determines your benefit amount because you can claim it early and how to reduce benefit. There is a cost of living adjustment, but it's not guaranteed. Again, it depends on if that CPIW goes up every year. You may owe taxes on your benefit. And if you work while you've claimed your benefits, but you're not full retirement age yet, your benefit may be reduced. There are different claiming scenarios. You have different spousal benefits, widow, widower's benefits, survivor benefits, 
divorced spouses, and then also there's the delayed retirement credits and spousal benefits that we talked about. And issues around the program, there's funding issues for future benefits, it's political agendas, and then while this is not necessarily an issue for the program, it's more of an issue for just overall retirement planning, but Social Security was never meant to, to replace all of your income in retirement. You have to have other sources. And for those who come to our seminar, we will get into some of the thinking that going way back to the 1930s about Social Security and what it was intended to do. And I always like uh, to talk about uh, President Roosevelt's thinking at the time in these things. But uh, I'm going to make one promise here. I read and study and stay on top of what people in Congress are thinking about Social Security and Medicare as much as I can. I read and study them and get on it. So as we know something, we'll make sure we get that information out to everybody. It's right. in our uh, email list that wants to know. Very good. Good. Well, uh, we thank you for joining us today and uh, encourage you if you have some questions, you'd like to schedule a time for a phone appointment to talk about your individual situation, maybe some of the questions that came up today, or if you have some additional questions. Um, you can contact us directly. Our main office number is 850-562-3000. You can also reach me over in Jacksonville on my cell phone at 850-544-8464. And with that, John, I say thank you for taking the time today for us to go through some Social Security. And I look forward to our uh, next webinars and seminars on Medicare and retirement planning. April, you're welcome, and I thank you for putting this together. You get all the credit for making sure these things get done, uh, pushing me, say, okay, I, I need you sitting here. Let's do this. So, and it's always fun to do it, so thank you, for, uh, thank you for taking control and getting it done. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. All right, thank you, everyone. 2020-93687 expires February 2022. If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities Products and Services and Advisory Services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System, the Living Balance Sheet, and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, copyright 2005-2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue securities or guardian and opinion stated are their own. The Social Security Administration has not improved, endorsed, or authorized this podcast. Contact the Social Security Administration for complete details regarding eligibility for benefits.